Hey everyone, Kayla Louise here, and welcome to my podcast, Wide Open, where we talk about women's health, relationship, sex, trauma, overcoming hardship, building a life that truly feels like your own, and basically anything we damn well feel like. We look to open up a dialogue that promotes healing and growth for women, and honestly, anyone who's listening. Today, we are going to go straight for the deep topics and talk about sexual health in our very first solo pod. Hope you're ready to go wide open. Let's dive in. Hello, everyone. Welcome to my podcast, Wide Open. My name is Kayla Louise, and I'm going to be starting the next series of my podcast, which is going to be a monopod. Um, After getting a few people who've asked me to do more uh, solo podcasts where I don't have a guest on, I've decided to dive into that realm. I will still be doing lots of guest podcasts as well, but uh, in the meantime, I'm going to start doing some solo pods as well. So um, I decided to start my first solo monopod, however you want to call it, solo pod, monopod, off with uh, a real deep dive into the topic of sex. So what got me thinking about this one, I mean, I've wanted to have a, a podcast episode that kind of dives into some of these topics regardless, um, but... September is Sexual Health Month, and I know we are getting to the end of September. I'm almost going to miss it, but I'm going to try and sneak a podcast episode in here before the month is over. But yes, September is Sexual Health Month. So what better way than to celebrate September than to give you guys some really good information on sexual health? Um, It's going to be a little bit brief because there's so much you can dive into with sexual health but I'm going to share uh, some facts that I've found, some facts from my own experience, um, some interesting facts, and some misconceptions that people don't really know about certain sexual health, um, let's just say STDs, because that's what we're going to talk about today. So um, let's dive in. This is going to be a juicy, uh, very informative monopod. So first, we will start off by saying there are currently four curable STDs. Um, they are syphilis, gonorrhea, chlamydia, and trichomona, sorry, trichomoniasis. Don't know if I said that correctly. And there are also four that are incurable, and those are hepatitis B, herpes simplex virus, which is the HSV, um, HIV, don't mistake those are two different ones, HIV, and then uh, the human papilloma virus, which is HPV. So there's a few H ones in there, so don't get them confused. There's HSV, HIV, and HPV. Um, In this episode, I'm going to be talking mostly about, well, I am only going to talk about chlamydia, herpes, and HPV. Um, Being that they are the most common, um, I think that we should really dive into those ones and I'm going to try and keep it as brief as possible uh, because there's, again, there's so much information and I just want to keep this brief and kind of get this out there for everyone. I could be diving into this for days if I really wanted to, Um, but I want to get this in before September rolls out. All right, so we're going to start by sharing some facts. We're going to talk about some misconceptions, like I said, 
And uh, most information that we're going to talk about is based on North American statistics and sites. So if you are somewhere else in the world, because I do see I get viewers from all over the world, be sure to check your local government sites and your local healthcare sites for the actual facts and uh, treatment options in your countries. I'm sure they are very similar, but just be sure that uh, it goes with the guidelines of your country. So I'm just pulling up some fact sheets here that I've um, put down on paper. So first one we're going to start with is chlamydia. And I'm getting a lot of my facts from the cdc.gov website. Um, chlamydia is a bacterial infection, so it can be cured by antibiotics. Um, and this is a direct quote from the CDC government website, and it says, well, how is chlamydia spread? So you can get chlamydia by having vaginal, anal, or oral sex with someone who has chlamydia. Also, you can still get chlamydia even if your sex partner does not ejaculate. A pregnant person with chlamydia can give the infection to their baby during childbirth. And we're going to talk a little bit about that later. And they also say, how do I know if I have chlamydia? So chlamydia often has no symptoms, but it can cause serious health problems. Even without symptoms, it's sim if symptoms occur, they may not appear until several weeks after having sex with a partner who has chlamydia. So let's just talk about that for a second. Um, chlamydia, being that it often has no symptoms, it is a hard one sometimes to diagnose, and many people go for a long time not knowing that they even have it. So um, I have had chlamydia, so this is going to get a little personal for me, and I'm diving open, getting very vulnerable with you all. Um, and so I had it for a while, did not know I had it, and some of the, well, there were a few different uh, symptoms, but I didn't really recognize them until the, the last symptom, which I'm going to dive into. Um, and that's where there's a misconception that not many people know that uh, chlamydia doesn't spread away from the genitals. So I will tell you that chlamydia can actually spread to your eye. And um, they call it chlamydia conjunctivitis. And so I ended up, this was a long time ago, so I've told this story, I actually told this story while I was in dental school and um, educated my whole class in front of my professor, which was quite hilarious, um, because she didn't believe that you could get chlamydia in the eye. So this is how kind of rare it is in North America. And I was going to the doctor, I thought I had pink eye, they thought I had pink eye, so I was getting treated, I was in a lot of pain. It was very excruciating, um, just very sticky, just like you would if you had pink eye, if you've ever had pink eye before. And it wasn't getting treated, like it wasn't curing. So I went back to my doctor to the hospital and I'm young and my mom's there and he's like, okay, I have one last test to do. And, um, you know, I don't think it is this because it's rare, but we got to test it because there's nothing else I can test you for. So he said, I'm going to test you for chlamydia. And I kind of laughed like, okay, bud, test me for chlamydia in my eye. And so there he goes, test me for chlamydia. And the results come back and I'm sitting in the doctor's office 
with my mother once again and the test results come back positive. So to say the least, I was embarrassed and um, I just also thought like, where did I get this from? I had been in a long-term relationship. Um, it was all confusing. I felt very disgusted by myself. And I will also say for anyone who's that has that running thought in your head, nothing went on my face, if you know what I'm talking about. Okay. That's never, never happened. It's not me. If that's you, do you, but it's not me. Um, so it spreads, it can spread from, you know, just touching your genitals, having it on your hands, wiping your eye. So my doctor in the hospital had said in his 20 years of practice, he had never seen that here in North America. Um, and it's more common in places like Africa. So a little stat that I'll read off to you, and this is from the mayoclinic.org and they call it trachoma. Trachoma is the leading preventable cause of blindness worldwide. Most trachoma cases occur in poor areas of Africa where 85% of people with active disease reside. In areas where trachoma is prevalent, infection rates among children under five can be 60% or more. So it um, can happen in, in areas, countries and areas where there's like heavy population, poor oral, poor hygiene, I should say, I'm thinking oral hygiene because that's my job, poor hand hygiene. Um, and it could also be spread from mother to infant during childbirth and it can actually cause a child, an infant to become blind. So I was lucky, got medication, got cured, all said and done. Um, I'm totally fine today. And it left me with a very interesting story to tell people. So for a long time, I was very embarrassed by it. I hid, I hid it from people. I didn't talk about it. And then I got to a point where I thought, you know what? I have a story to share. It's rare. And I want to, I want to educate people because there's so many misconceptions out there of things that you just think can't happen. And, um, I'm a walking proof of a lot of things. So anything I can do, it's educate people. So that's my story on chlamydia. I don't even know if I'm talking like this. I can't see the screen right now. So I'll just back up. I'm wearing my in love shirt. I thought, you know, what am I going to wear for podcasts about sexual health? And um, I mean, in love. It's kind of promoting being in love with your partner, with sex, being in love with yourself, whatever it is, you know, love yourself and treat yourself good because your body is a beautiful temple and it deserves self-love and self-care and it deserves love from everyone else. So these are the facts that I want to tell you guys so that you guys can take care of yourselves because you're important. Okay, back to what we're talking about. So second, um, second STD we're going to dive into is HPV. So HPV is the human papilloma virus. And this virus um, is, there's many different strains of this virus. So it's not just like one thing, which could be a misconception about it in itself. But I'll tell you guys a few facts about it first. 
So again, this is from the cdc.gov website. The most common sexually transmitted infection is HPV. Uh, in most cases, nine out of 10, HPV goes away on its own within two years without health problems. But when HPV does not go away, it can cause health problems like genital warts and cancer. HPV can cause cervical and other cancers, including cancer of the vulva, vagina, penis, or anus. It can also cause cancer in the back of the throat called oral pharyngeal cancer. This can include the base of the tongue and tonsils. And we'll go into that a little more in depth as well, um, because that's kind of an area um, where I, as a health professional, uh, kind of dive into with my with my patients. Um, another fact, HPV is so common that almost every sexually active person will get HPV at some point if they don't get vaccinated. So that's a pretty uh, significant fact there. Um, you know, and that just goes to show that a lot of us are walking around with things that we don't know we have. And it's, this is not to scare anyone because I know the whole COVID scaring, I'm not into that. I don't wanna scare people. I want to inform people and also shed light on the fact that we're all human and we all come in contact with so many things in a day, so many things in a life that to go and say, oh my God, I can't do this and I can't do that because I'm gonna get infected. Well, you're probably already infected with a lot of things that you don't know but you're living with it because it's just symbiotic. It's just living with you and it's not causing you harm. So to get all like, whoa, whoa, whoa scared about something, it's just not really worth it because um, we are all different and it's just the way that our immune systems react to things. But we do wanna be cautious because some of them can turn into other things and that's where it can get a little sticky. Okay, so we're gonna dive into a couple of misconceptions about HPV. So uh, one misconception is that men are not at risk. And uh, this kind of has to do with the fact that men can't be tested. Men are definitely at risk. Although, um, well, men can get genital warts. That's the main one. They are not exposed so much to the cancers, like cervical cancer, obviously. Um, but there is risk for um, cancers in the penis and testicles. It's, it is rare, but it can happen. Um, but the uh, the big one is the oral pharyngeal cancer, and that's the throat cancer, mouth mouth cancer. Um, so this this is uh, where, as a dental professional in my field, I check for oral cancer. Every patient that I see, every time I open their mouth, the first thing I do is do an oral cancer screening. So I check everywhere, but um, the sides of the of the tongue, the base of the mouth, and the roof of the palate are three of the main areas where oral cancer presents on a person. And um, I'd have to fact check this one. I wish I'd pulled it up, but the last time I, I checked with the HPV, I did a webinar on it and HPV is um, the leading cause. So 50% of all oral cancer in men is HPV related. I believe that's the statistic and I will do a fact check on that. Um, so it's quite significant and I have seen it in the mouth. I have heard of patients who have had it or have known someone who's had it and I've also had um, people know 
directly a brother, a sister, an aunt and uncle who's passed away from oral cancer. And I cannot say for sure HPV related, but if you say 50% of, then um, it's likely that it's been, you know, in that realm. So I take it very seriously and I want to express this to men because um, sometimes I think that they think they are impervious to certain types of things because a lot of healthcare gets directed towards women's health. Um, women need to get pap tests. Women need to, you know, get their breasts checked for cancer. Um, and men don't have that sort of like push to get all these tests done because their assumption is that they don't have as many risks. And in some cases, maybe that's true. It's, um, you know, it is a real, it is a real thing. And the thing with oral cancer is, uh, with HPV, it can take years or decades for HPV to present as oral cancer. So you could go, you know, your entire life and it could come to you when you're in your later years. Um, again, it's not to scare you away from enjoying life and things that you want to do, but understand those risks. And, um, yeah, for any of those guys that are out there and just, uh, you know, love to treat a girl on the first date, maybe just, uh, save that for someone special. Um, okay. So how another one is, um, another misconception. Once you're past a certain age, there's no point in getting a vaccine. So I've had, um, when I went to get my vaccine, cause I did get vaccinated, but I got, I got it later on in life. Um, after I, like, I learned a lot of these things later on in life and I thought, you know, I'll go get a vaccine. And my doctor was actually very hesitant in giving me one. I would think I was around 26 or 27. And his theory was, well, you're this age, you're sexually active, you've probably had HPV. Okay, great. Well, there's like umpteen amount of strains. I don't know off the top of my head. What if that vaccine prevents against the one strain I don't have yet, and that one strain is what causes cervical cancer? You know what I mean? So I I said, why not? And it is expensive if you don't have benefits, but to me it was worth it. Um, and then it, the same thing with men. I had a male friend who was 37 and he went to his doctor and asked for it. And his doctor was very hesitant to give it to him. And he actually had to push for it. And same kind of story. You're X amount of years old, you've probably come across HPV, there's no point in giving it to you. And I just thought, that's a silly thing to say, because the, that's the risk reward, you know, and I'm not pushing vaccines um, on anyone. I, I'm a pro, like I'm pro vaccine in the sense that I think there's a time and place. And this is one of those ones where for me, the benefit was worth the risk of the vaccine. There's not a lot of risks that I've heard of from the HPV vaccine, but anyways, that's a whole other story. Um, so look into that. And that's something I would say that if your doctor um, puts up a little bit of a fuss, if it's something that you want, you do your fact checking, you figure out what you want, and you just tell them that that's what you want. Um, 
So another misconception, um, genital warts do not spread and um, they are actually can spread to the mouth as well. And so you can get oral genital warts. Well, they're not oral, they're not genital anymore. They're oral warts. Um, and so I've seen them in people's mouths before and we generally uh, will refer someone off for, off, off for a biopsy because they can spread and they can um, possibly be the future cause of cancer. So we do like to send those off and have them removed. Um, but again, it's not a big procedure. It's just like, you know, it's like a wart on your thumb. Like we've all had warts. And that's something I want people to really understand with genital warts so that we're not making this like stigma that it's like super gross. Because that's another misconception that genital warts are like these super gross things. And if you think about it, like it's, we have all probably had those warts when we were younger on our feet, on our hands. Um, these are all papillomas. They're all HPVs. So it's just kind of like that. They can be skin colored. They can be very tiny. Some people don't even see them. That's another reason why they spread so easy because they can be very, very, very unnoticeable. Um, and they can be like kind of anywhere around the buttocks or um, genital area. So that's another thing that condoms don't always protect against it. Okay. So that's going to lead me into protection. So um, there's the HPV vaccine, which we talked a little bit about. Um, and it does prevent against genital warts and it does prevent against some cervical cancers and oral cancers related to HPV. Okay. Um, and then obviously using condoms, but understand that condoms do not cover, may not cover areas of infection. Okay. So understanding your risks, just know that nothing is 100%. I don't know why I put that up. That's an A-OK, -okay, but A-OK, -okay, it ain't 100%. Oh God, don't ask me to do finger things on here. Oh, that got really dirty. <laughs> okay, don't ask me to do hand signals. I'm like, ugh, keep your hands. I don't know what to do with my hands right now. Anyways, testing. So only women right now can be tested for um, HPV. So this is another thing. It's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Why do women always get all the bad things in the world? Well, unfortunately, that's the case. So pap tests are what tests for HPV. It's the only test for HPV unless you have a, a physical genital wart to be seen. There is right now no other testing that they do. So this is why I say to men, you can't go into the doctor and say, screen me for HPV so I can go have sex without a condom. It'll never happen. You don't know. You'll never know. So protect your females, protect yourself, but protect your females, okay? Because that's who you're going to pass it on to without knowing. Take that responsibility. Wear a condom, please. Um, and also know that you can get oral cancer. So protect yourself. Um, so this is another one they said, this is on webmd.com and they state, there's no routine test for men to check for high risk HPV strains that can cause cancer. However, some doctors are urging anal pap tests for gay and bisexual men who are at higher risk for anal ca cancer caused by HPV. 
Um, and in an anal pap test, the doctor collects cells from the anus and then has them checked for abnormalities in the lab. So that's similar to what they do in a pap test. They're checking for abnormal cells. All right, let's move on to the final. So the final one we're going to talk about is herpes. So HSV1 and HSV2, two strains of it, um, all herpes, essentially. So um, this is from the CDC.gov website. Herpes is a viral infection, just to let you guys know if you don't know. Um, herpes is, so genital herpes is sexually transmitted disease caused by the herpes simplex virus type 1, which is, which is HSV1, or type 2, HSV2. Generally, a person can only get HSV2 infection during genital contact with someone who has a genital HSV2 infection. However, receiving oral sex from a person with an oral HSV1 infection can result in getting a genital HSV1 infection. Okay, that's a lot of information right there. <laughs> and honestly, I've read some of this stuff many times and I still don't fully understand it. And this is where it's like, whew, it can be a little overwhelming. So just uh, breathe and don't totally overthink it, but uh, try and do a little more research if you can. Uh, another fact is there is an estimated two to four fold increased risk of occurring of acquiring HIV if individuals with genital herpes infections are gen genitally exposed to HIV. So this is one of those ones where, again, we all think we're going to escape life without HIV, which I hope a lot of us will. But don't ever think that you're like, no, that doesn't happen to me. I'm, you know, this or that. Like, no, no, no. Don't ever think that way. You're a human, it can happen to you. Um, so just be aware of that, okay? Um, so we'll dive into some misconceptions. So transmission only occurs when lesions are present. Eh, wrong. So transmission can occur whether lesions are present or not present. And I really want to stress that to everyone, okay? So you might be thinking when you're about to dive into some hanky-panky and you're like low-key looking down there and like, I think he looks pretty fine and I don't see nothing down there. Well, that's not really a good indicator because um, this is the fact that it could actually be A-OK -okay down there, spick spam, and uh, if there's shedding happening, Again, like there's so much information you can go into. I don't know it all, um, but it can be transmitted through skin-to-skin -skin contact. And that skin um, can be all around the general area. So we'll t dive into that a little bit after this. Um, it is, this is the one that I only found out more recently and I was like, what the F? So herpes... Um, Herpes testing is not a part of routine testing in North America, okay? So I want to make that clear. If you're someone like myself who's always goes in and is like, yo, doc, I want my routine STD testing. And he's like, yo, okay, here you go. Go to the lab, blood test, pee test, sometimes a swab test, whatever it is. Done. 
they call you up and they're like, yo, your tests are all negative. You're good to go. They don't talk like that, but I wish they did. Um, and I'm like, sweet. And then, you know, you're thinking you're like good to go. And as someone like myself, I've always been very diligent, especially after getting chlamydia in the eye. I was like, this is crazy. So I get tested in between any new partner, whatever, you know, I've always been very diligent with that kind of stuff. And I try to keep like one partner at a time and have that talk with them and be like, yo, have you been tested? Are you good? Sweet. Okay. Like eventually if you want to start using, stop using condom or like myself, I'm actually allergic to latex. So I've always had issues with using a condom. Um, so now <laughs> I know that, uh, even when he's saying you're all negative, he doesn't mean you're negative for herpes because, well, they don't test that. So understand that, okay? Because again, people can have herpes without knowing they have it. A lot of people live with with viruses inside their body, dormant. Their immune systems are just well enough equipped to handle, keep them suppressed. They never have an outbreak. They can go their entire life without an outbreak. Um, and then the next person might have like ample up outbreaks per year. It always depends. So understanding that um, can change maybe your perspective on, on how you go about um, casual sex and things like that or unprotected sex. Um, okay, another misconception. Lesions are only around genitals or mouth. So... Um, that's also no, that's a, that's false. So you can actually, um, this is the quote from the CDC website. You can have a development of extra genital lesions, e.g. the buttocks, the groin, the thigh, the fingers, or the eye may occur during the first course of infection. So, um, yes, I've read that you can get um, you can actually have also read too that you can even get um, them on like on your lower back. So again, like you might be someone who's like, I've had little lesions on my lower back or my butt. I've never had anything down below and like I don't have herpes. That's not just who knows, you know, so I'm just saying like these are the, the misconceptions that we just think that it's like this confined little box that they teach us in sex ed and a lot of us forget everything that they tell us, but I'm here to kind of update that um, on a more adult way in, uh, in a way that hopefully you guys can understand it. So the one thing with herpes, um, like the lesions, like I said, they can come and go. Some people can have one in a lifetime. Some people can have one every month. There's antivirals that can help suppress those magnific magnificently. Oh, that's a word. Did I use that word right? Um, and then most of it is like the long-term mental effects. So this is a quote that they say on the CDC, and it says, Some persons who contract genital herpes have concerns about how it will impact their overall health, sex life, and relationships. There can also be considerable embarrassment, shame, and stigma associated with a herpes diagnosis that can substantially interfere with a patient's relationships. Clinicians can address these concerns by encouraging patients to recognize that while herpes is not curable, it is a manageable condition. So 
above all of this information, I don't want to demonize anyone who has an STD or has had an STD or, you know, because obviously I'm one of them, but I want to just say too that we're all in this kind of together in this weird world of life and um, I want to to kind of break the stigma that these things define who we are. Um, you know, when you start talking about it more openly, you start to realize like there's so many people even in your circle that have had a lot of these things, have lived with them every day. And a lot of them, the actual like virus or the actual infection is actually not that bad. Like it really doesn't interfere with their lives. What interferes mostly with their lives is that shame and that guilt and the embarrassment. I just want to say to anyone who has experienced any of the things that I listed above, you're not alone. You are super welcome in this world. You are worthy of love and relationship. And um, as long as you're taking the precautions to be mindful now, going forward to protect your partners, be open in your conversations as hard as those are, um, we need to start being able to have those conversations so that people can love each other for who they are and just be open about it. Um, so I want to say to, um, so I've, I've done a few resources and I'm going to post all of my resources in, um, my show notes so that anyone can look all these things up. And, uh, there's one, I was looking for a resource on free condoms. Um, because I, when I was living in Ottawa, we had like such a good, sexual health clinic. If you live in Ottawa, the sexual health clinic there is phenomenal. Um, they're just super helpful. I had my my last IUD, which is the birth control um, place in that clinic. The nurses were wonderful. I've always gone there for any issues, concerns I've ever had. Uh, and they give out mass amounts of free condoms there. And you can also go onto a website and order them straight to your house. So if you just like want to do it discreetly, um, the website, it's called Sex It Smart. I have the link. It's on ottawapublichealth.ca. And you just fill out the form. You can state whether you want latex or latex-free, which is also good. So if you're allergic to latex like myself, there's a latex-free option. Um, I wasn't able to find anything in British Columbia. I didn't do like a ton, a ton of research, but I couldn't find anything briefly. So I'm sorry about that, but I'm sure there are resources. And there's lots of places you can go into to get free condoms. Um, British Columbia, though, does have a free online testing. So anyone who wants to do it discreetly or doesn't have a doctor, um, check that website out. It's www.islandsexualhealth.org. I've also put the link in my show notes for that. And then Manitoba, I came across one um, where they had free condoms. So it's www.getsomecondoms.com. Um, and then there is also, um, kind of a funny thing on there. So it's like, if someone doesn't want to use a condom, which this has happened to me too many times to count where guys just don't want to wear condoms. And I'm just like, I don't know. This is something I think that all of you men who have this idea in your head that 
you shouldn't wear a condom. Um, I mean, it's personal choice, but I really want you to think about like protecting yourself and the people you love, but, or you <laughs> doesn't even have to be the people you love people that you, you know, come in contact with because everyone deserves to be treated with respect. So there's a little thing that stated if someone doesn't want to use a condom, so there are these condom comebacks. Um, so check that out. It's um, also on the getsomecondoms.com. I have the link below. Just some ideas if guys like, nah, I don't want to wear a condom. It uh, doesn't feel as good during sex. And you'll be like, yo, um, I don't know. There's some some on there. You can check it out. Um, let's see. What else do I have? Uh there's another one for if you're having to talk to your partner about um, HSV herpes. So that one, there's a link below on kind of talking to your partner, things you can say, um, and giving you a little bit of encouragement so that you don't feel completely in the dark and scared to come out about talking about that. Um, because nobody, nobody should shame you about talking about this stuff. And if they do, I'm going to tell you right now, kick that mother to the curb. Toss them. Bye-bye. See you never. Um, Because whether you continue a relationship with that person or not, that person should always be respectful and understand. Um, You know, we all have histories of things. And um, if you're not out there purposefully, because I want to distinct this, if you're not out there purposefully going around knowing you have something and giving it to people, well, then you're just a human who um, got dealt a shitty card. So um, it is a responsibility to hold if you have an STD. Um, so do take that into account. But yeah, just uh, keep living your life and be happy. And if anyone has any questions for me about um, my experience that I talked about, uh, feel free to reach out. And um, hopefully this just gets the conversation going. And um, yeah, we might dive into this topic more later on, uh, maybe get some guests. But uh, this one I just wanted to get out for September because we are, what day I'm recording is September 27th. So I'm going to get this thing out before the end of September and uh, hopefully give you guys some good information so you can have some fun. Okay. Anyways, I got to shut this thing off. I'm losing my voice. And this has been fun. Love. Okay. Ciao, friends. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure to subscribe to the Wide Open Podcast on Spotify and follow at Kayla Louise on Instagram. That's at K E L A Louise. And look forward to more episodes.